from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider. We are on Business Radio, and we are powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 111. Hey, if it's Thursday, noon Eastern, we are live. And as always, taking your calls throughout the hour, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So if you've got a question on any career job search topic, you're calling at the right time because we've got Dream Team in studio, Michelle and Dion, who always make this show both sound amazing and so much fun. So I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I'm the career director for the Wharton MBA program for executives right here in Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter. And you are listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. You got a question, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So, hey, as we settle into the new year, most people are focused on ways they will be successful in 2018. However, on today's show, we're going to focus on what might con- many people might consider the opposite of success, which is failure. Our guest is a self-proclaimed failure expert, and through his work, he has figured out how to create great success within failure, which is, hey, pretty nifty skill in life, in careers, and in all aspects. So today, we're going to welcome Steve Young to the show. He's an award-winning television writer, film director, author, and former stand-up comedian who has made us laugh through his work on shows such as Boy Meets World, Sybil, The Smart Guy, and Family Affair. Steve's writing has graced the pages of The New York and L.A. Times, and he's a regular contributor to media outlets such as CNN, The Today Show, and Good Morning America. In his book, Great Failures of the Extremely Successful, Steve shares the failures of many, many celebrities, but more importantly, how they overcome adversity to attain great success. And to share those tips with us today, he is here in studio. Welcome to Career Talk, Steve. Well, it's nice to be here. And, you know, I, you said self-proclaimed uh, failure. <laughs> Maybe I proclaimed no, that. No, people, people have called me a failure on their own. I haven't had to tell them that I am. So oh, good. It's, it's proclaimed throughout, <laughs> not only from me. So not just self-proclaimed, but other proclaimed. Mm-hmm. Great. So, <laughs> so yeah, and you've earned that moniker, Dr. Failure. I've seen that in some of your, your media. What, what is that about? Yeah, it has nothing to do with academics. Um, the, the whole thing that keeps me from being a doctor is, first of all, getting the master's and the bachelor's before that, barely graduated high school. They frown on being called a doctor. Um, with that type of academic background. So, <laughs> so it's actually not, I'll lend this to Mel Brooks, it's not doctor, it's docker. It's really DCR. So ah, that, that's why okay. I put my hand on the rock, said I am a docker. So, so it is official. You don't yes. have, a, you don't have a, a piece of paper, but it's an official thing. So let's, I, I want mm-hmm. to talk about kind of how I opened the show. And you know, we talked, I briefly said that many consider failure and success to be opposites. But I don't believe that's true. And I, I don't think you believe that's true. I mean, I think, especially when your book, when you read that, it, it's it's like almost like a stepping stone. Failure is kind of a necessity on the way to success. I don't know if it's absolutely a necessity because then it would call for people to sort of uh, um, insta- initiate a failure so they can <laughs> use that as a stepping stone. It's going to mess up. Yeah. yeah and do I do this on purpose? You don't have to do it on purpose. There's so many obstacles in terms of just how life works that it's just a matter of am I going to make that obstacle be something that just uh, um, that I, forces me to quit or do I use that obstacle as a learning tool so that I can, yeah, oh, I love that thing, stepping stone. Can I use it as in the title of my book? Stepping stone. Yeah, because the title of the book is Mistakes, Adversity, uh, Great Failures of the Extremely Successful Mistakes, Adversity, Failure, and Other Stepping Stones to Success. So you do use it in your book. So I do use it. (laughs) Good for you. And I really mean it as such. I mean, I I, I, I just think it's always a decision of, you know, after you get over, it could be, you know, it's obstacles, challenges, but after you get to that point, what do I do now? Do I learn from this or do I make it be or is it something that's going to force me to go in a completely different direction or really sometimes maybe you have to quit. Maybe it's something that isn't going to work because you learn from whatever you've done. This works in business all the time. 
you are working in business, you set up a plan, you uh, take action with that plan, then you reassess and you monitor. And sometimes you learned enough information to say we're on the wrong track. Mm -hmm. And so there's that too. It's not quitting. It's learning and saying there's a better direction for me to go on. Yeah, I want to come back Mm -hmm. to that in in just a few minutes about cutting your losses because that can be a really difficult thing. Mm -hmm. But hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Career Talk, Series XM, Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. And we are here with Steve Young, who is the author of Great Failures of the Extremely Successful. And we were talking all about, you know, it's the kicking off of the new year. It's January. A lot of people are thinking about how they want to improve and what they want to do. If you're in the midst of trying to make a change and you're facing obstacles or if you're thinking about, you know, this is a year to do something different and you're, you're having trouble getting motivated or you don't even know where to start, we want to hear from you, 844-WARDEN, 844-942-7866. As always, Thursdays, we are live at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. So if you have any and all career job search questions, we are always happy to answer those anytime throughout the show. So we're talking, Steve, a little bit about how we define failure because a lot of people have a very black and white conception of either it, it worked or it didn't but I don't I don't think that's true that there are many shades of gray maybe well with failure uh, I um, I think failure failure it has a value and uh, that it usually in terms of values you think of things that are positive and so it's how you use it it's your attitude when it happens when when it happens, there's normally some sort of negative overtone to it that you're going to respond to it in a way that says, well, this is no good. But once you get over that period of grief and you're allowed to because you are a human, when that emotion settles down, and you, the next thing you should say, OK, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what took place? Even if it's if somebody said no to you, if somebody says no to you and you find out why they're saying no, they basically told you how to get to a yes. Because if somebody says, well, it's too much money, well, um, I can't buy that product from you. Well, then good. Should I lower the price? Would then uh, be would it be something you would consider? Or should I give a, a different line of product to you or less than it does it, it really puts you in a direction once you get that in terms of yes it's a no, it, I, I received a no but what information do I get from that now to reset my plan and then move on to get the yes. I like that in terms of, um, I think we focus so much on the no that we, we don't hear anything after it. So we don't hear it was too much money. Or like in an interview, you didn't get the job. Now, mm-hmm. there could be a variety of reasons. And sometimes you don't know why you didn't get the job. But maybe they hired an internal candidate. Or maybe they had a hiring freeze. Or maybe you know you 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 really just weren't qualified for the job and so i think it's important to understand the why not just the outcome yeah and what you could be doing is to run through those thoughts prior to you making of the step, whatever it is, whether it's an interview or even the resume you put together for that particular job, uh, so that you can question what are the pros, what are the cons, and therefore what are they going to a- going to ask me, and what's going to be my attitude in terms of how I'm going to answer it? Because a lot of times people will hire you if you've got the qualifications. Why are they going to hire you? It's because you're a person with an attitude that fits the company culture. So therefore, you would have looked on their website or talked to people about the company to learn about what is important to them, what is their mission statement, and not that you're going to uh, verbatim give them the mission statement, but talk in terms of uh, that the attitude of that company so that a person interviewing will say, geez, that sounds exactly like what we're looking for, the type of person that we want in here. So it's more than just what is your, what is your what are your credentials. It's more on who are you? Mm-hmm. The fit and even the motivation, because people want to hire people who want to be there. So it's it's not good enough just to have the skills. I mean, they want to know you're going to come in. You're going to be curious. You're going to be likable. You're going to get along with your colleagues. And so you may not know this, though, after the interview. You may not understand why was I passed over. And what we know, unfortunately, a lot of recruiters, just due to legal reasons, won't tell you. They'll just mm-hmm. say, we went with a more qualified candidate. A different direction. Which doesn't give you a lot to go on. But, but I think that you can... One of the questions I always say, Steve, at the end of an interview you should ask, 
always, always, always. Obviously, you should have great questions to ask about the company mm-hmm. and, and all that. But you should always say, you know, is there anything about my my background that concerns you about my ability to do this job? Because it's it's in a roundabout way asking, you know, are there any are there any gaps or holes? But it's it's kind of a professional and polite way. And I think most of the time. Somebody will tell you, somebody will say, well, hey, we really want somebody who has this certification or we want somebody who has more experience in this this computer system or something. And so I think you can get that information, like you were saying, then say, okay, now now in this place of failure in the sense of not getting the job, I have a next step. Well, you brought up something that, that is very interesting in terms of what they're looking for. You said you should have questions set. But you should be listening to what the person Mm -hmm. is saying so that the questions fit them. One of the best questions that I've – I I teach uh, interviewing and I also teach uh, building resumes. Um, Oh, by the way, before I forget, you know, that whole thing on uh, a career. If somebody has a better career out there for me, I'm willing to listen to that too. So I don't want to make, I want this to be a give and take. <laughs> this is all right. Yeah. So if you have career advice for Steve, who, yes. who has a very impressive background, by the way, award winning writer, TV, film director, former comedian. Um, yeah, that's author. what when I'm on stage, people call me a former comedian. Oh. too. <laughs> 844-942-7866. Michelle is here ready to take your calls if it's noon. Eastern time on Thursday, 9 a.m. Pacific. We want to take your calls. And, and so, oh, I, before yeah, I, I On the track, if I, am I allowed to interrupt you? you of course you can okay. interrupt me, but I, I'm, I'm here soliciting for people to give you advice in your career. So it, Thank you. <laughs> I, not only advice, but actually a position. Oh, a position. Yes. You want an offer oh, on air. I, I'm here. I'll take it. I'll that make a decision really fast. That would be the first time that has happened. If well, that happens. good. That's what I'm here for first. <laughs> but the thing is, in terms of asking questions, I once interviewed somebody. I was a controller at, a, at one point. I was looking for an office manager. Entire interview, he didn't ask one question. It, he was a young person just out of college. And, and uh, at the end, I was kind of curious. And at the end of the interview, I said, do you not have any questions? And he said, had to think a while. And then he went... Um, how long do we get for lunch? Now, this was a management position, and obviously I was going to hire the person based uh, – well, I would have liked the person to have asked a question that was important to his job. But obviously he didn't think of that prior to walking in. Mm -hmm. And so the questions that you're ready to – that you should be prepared to ask – as best as you can, direct it to what the person's been saying. And one of the best questions that I think will get – people um, more um, more interested in you is you asking about them. Them personally. So yeah. not about the job. About Well, no. What made you come to this company? Okay. What did you, how, what made you want to be in this yep, type of agreed. industry? And if you get that person talking, there's a very good chance that the rest of the interview will be him talking or her talking and you'll walk out and they'll think, what a great conversationalist that person mm-hmm. was <laughs> exactly. because you got them to talk about yourself. You can't, and this works on the other side too, the people who are asking the questions, don't ask those standard questions. Don't say, you know, where are you going to be in five years? If you said to me, where are you going to be in five years, which I think is really one of the, it, it doesn't give me any information. And we about don't the know. Person. Someone may offer you a job today on the right. show. But it, I don't want to know in five years because five years I could be dead. Uh, and the thing is, when somebody says, where you want to be in five years, I think the answer is in your chair. I don't want your job. I just love that chair. What is that? Leather? That is a beautiful <laughs> chair because that type of question really, I don't know is where that I'm going to be. Right. Yeah. So, well, and one thing you said about the, you know, having them talk about themselves, that's, that's research backed. That's one of my favorite statistics that when you get somebody to speak about themselves, and, and it's so rare in today's digital texting world, when you, you get somebody to speak about themselves in the brain, it triggers these pleasure centers that are stronger than than even like food and money. So that is like legit. If you can get somebody to start talking about themselves. Hey, 844-Wharton-844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on SiriusXM Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. And we talked a few minutes ago, Steve, about the cut your losses. So so there's kind of a fine line and a lot of people have this question between, okay, so do I shift after every piece of feedback because I can be shifting constantly or how long do I hold on to my strategy before I, I realize this is not going to work and I need to take a different action? Well, I think this has, you, you mentioned at the beginning of the year, um, may, people make New Year's resolutions. And why do you think New Year's resolutions fall apart around January 5th? 
<laughs> well, because they're not they're not specific enough, per- perhaps, or they don't have uh, you know the um, the desire. Uh, they have to have the passion. But too lofty. It it might well be. It might be out of reach. But the reason that people don't is because they don't have a plan. And in that plan, because if you make a resolution without a plan, but that's called a wish. And what you want to do is make a plan that includes the what ifs. What if this doesn't work? What if this doesn't work? Because otherwise, like if I make up, what do people, uh, the big thing is I'm going to lose 50 pounds. Mm -hmm. Okay. And when do they make that um, resolution? Usually when they're full. And (laughs) within a day or two, they're going to get hungry. So what do they do now? Uh, do they stop or do they say now there are so- I have plans for that. I deal with that this way so that when your plans are not this straight line up, the plan should always be I'm going to hit different levels. And when I hit that level, what do I do? How do I handle it? Yes. So it's so how do I handle the, the obstacles? Yes. Yeah. Going through the what ifs. When this happens, I'll do this. So do you have any year's resolution, Steve? No. No? No. I have no New Year's resolutions. My big New Year's resolution is making sure I got here on time. All right. That was well, pretty much it. Well, check. Check that. You're you're a success. Dion, oh, I, I have one. Oh, you do? Uh, okay. Yeah, I, w- I want to finish uh, at least one of the books that I'm halfway through. Okay. Well, pick one. Pick one now. The we'll Larry David to- Code. I'm the, going to finish it. The Larry it. David Code. All right. I'm, I'm going to hold you to it. I'm going to email you in a month. Dion. Yes. New Year's resolution. I gave you a heads up last week. You know you it. Did. You know it. So I came up with one. Okay. Because I think, was it last year or two years ago I said I was going to cook more? It was last year. Okay. You're, you're going to cook more. So you can't so, use that one again. Oh. If you failed once, okay, so you, I'm, you're I'm, done. I'll, I'll pile on to that. I'm, I'm going to cook more and I'm going to go to the gym more. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm getting myself so, together. So to Steve's point, what's your what's your plan? Like, well, what if, well, well, I just came up with it, oh, so okay. I've got yeah. I've got to develop the plan. So next week we'll ask you about your plan. Because what if it snows? Well, my my gym is isn't far. Okay. It's, it's, See that, that that makes a lot of sense. First of all, you want to put those things together. If possible, you want to cook at the gym, and <laughs> there if, you go. if you can't do that, you then have the incentive that once you finish <laughs> at the gym, you will then be able to eat. You'll see that thing; it's out there. It's incentive. right there. It's a goal. It, it's an objective. You reach that objective you, you have, all in one. Yeah, he has to go to the gym before he eats. Otherwise, you just can't eat. Yes, yeah, just so, be a oh, problem. Yeah. Michelle, come on. What's your New Year's resolution? I knew one last year. It was it was to have beautiful nails. Right, which worked. Actually, for like four months, and then April they went away. That's that's still better than average. In it's terms- true. And then actually later in the year they came back, and then they went away again. Anyway, <laughs> I'll still work on that. Clearly, um, okay. I have two big ones this year. One is I want to travel more. Good one. I'm already making plans for that, Steve. Nice. Um, so that's in the works. Um, second is I want to be a little bit more present, which sounds very floofy but i want to be more focused on the now and more more present less worried about the future floofy (laughs) yeah floofy i chose that word in the moment um yeah less worried about the future more focusing on the now i like it and i I think travel is a great thing but the thing is you don't want to start right off and say i'm going to go to australia that would be ridiculous who goes to australia unless you're done i did i decided okay that was a softball and then then um what you do is you start off slowly you say like okay this year i'm going to trenton and Did you the, say Trenton? Yes, Trenton. Trenton, New Jersey? <laughs> yeah, you know you want to you want to the capital of New Jersey. You want to first go Michelle, to state there's lines. Your goal. Check already done. Trent, what's and, next? And there you go. Then the, then you move on from there. Who knows how long it'll take. Next stop, New Brunswick. There you Whoa. go. And you go more and more and sooner or later you get out of the You'll country. You'll eventually get to New York City, yeah. Michelle. Keep <laughs> going too that. much. I don't know about that. Hey, we're going to go to Georgia and Florida. George, welcome to Career Talk. What's on your mind today? Hi, I'm uh, actively seeking a new position, and my biggest difficulty is getting to the interview point. In other words, getting my name or actually getting to speak to the individual that can create the interview appointment. Uh, Okay, so that's really where I'm biggest challenge. Great. So, what do you do, George? Right now, I'm unemployed. No, I mean, like, what I, is your... Okay, yeah, so let's work <laughs> on your brand. So so that is never part of your brand. You, No matter what it is you're a professional at, you, you are still a professional at that, regardless of whether someone's paying you to do it in the moment. So wh- what is it you do, George? Okay, I'm uh, in consumer services, okay? So uh, my past history has been in roadside assistance, and I was uh, assistant vice president 
and led a large group of individuals in delivering services. My difficulty, I think, is translating that into a message and a brand uh, to those individuals that are seeking a person like myself. Okay, awesome. See, that was well said. Now, so how are you? How are you finding these jobs, and are you applying online? What's your strategy? So my strategy has been largely networking. Love it. And I've been I've been creating a lot of opportunity, a lot of discussions, I should say, with individuals in my area through my own uh, small. What started off as a small uh, group of individuals, and it's been growing. Unfortunately, I keep talking to uh, people, but I can't. I'm having difficulty finding uh, a way to get in front of the right people. I've talked to business leaders, et cetera, et cetera, and they've been very helpful, but it's just not channeling me in the right direction. And I'm having a hard time just identifying those companies that really need my services, my experience, so that then I can tailor my approach to them. Okay, so. Um- I'm just jotting down a few things. So you're having trouble finding the companies. You feel like you're you're communicating with a lot of people, but they're not getting you to the decision makers. So two things I'm hearing from you, George, which is one, I think you need to do a deep dive and research and come up with more companies. Steve Dalton, who's been on the show and whose book we talk about a lot, the two-hour job search, recommends no fewer than 40 target companies in your list. And that's a lot. But the point about that is that you get beyond the household names you get beyond the 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 Googles the Amazons the you know the the names everybody knows because he's actually done research and sh- that has shown that like 5% of the 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 available jobs come from those companies in proportion so you're missing out on a huge number of potential opportunities from this middle group of companies that maybe aren't household names yet but also don't have necessarily the resources or people coming to them constantly and are, are have much less competition but are great opportunities. So I think that's one. So however many companies you have, I would say double it. Try to get to 40. It's a good book, by the way, if you if you have 10 bucks because it, it will help you with this exact part of the job search very um, systematically. The other thing I'm hearing you say is that you're talking to a lot of people, but what I'm, I'm not hearing is that they're becoming ambassadors. And what I mean by ambassadors is that you're communicating a message that they want to either, one, pass on to other people who may be able to be in that hiring position or at least be out there looking for opportunities that they can bring back to you and say, hey, George, I know we spoke a few weeks ago, stumbled across this in the New York Times or in the Wall Street Journal or whatever, thought this might be a, a door that you might want to walk through. And so if those things are not happening, then um, either you're not communicating your message clearly enough to them that they, they have that information so that they can be confident about what they're looking for, or it could be that you just need to broaden your network. I also think that you want to uh, carve a, a great elevator speech as to who you are. So that it, no matter where you are, uh, because you never know when a person might be that person that can get you to the right place and or to the right person, you have to be able to define in just a few sentences who you are, uh, what you do, and why it would be an advantage for the people who are out there hiring to hire you. In other words, what you can do for whatever company uh, you're aiming for. And what I love about the 40 target companies (laughs) is that you don't sit there and go, well, I've I've already gone through 10 and haven't gotten the job yet. What you have to do is make that commitment. I'm going through 40 jobs. So therefore, you've got what did I learn from each job as I went through it who hopefully beforehand, but when you get to that 40th job, you are now at a, and by the way, I want to remind you, if you're saying you have to go to 40 target jobs, it may take 80 jobs to go to, and you may find two jobs out of that. So it may, you may have to surpass that, that 40 job, but having a positive attitude is going to help much, a great deal in terms of what you're trying to do. Just when people say I'm between jobs, I, I always want to ask them, how do you know? Um, and, and, but, but that's a positive attitude. That means I, you know, I don't have a job. I did have a job and I'm going to have my next job too. And that's got to come across too. being positive, walking through that door. Whenever you go in, you have to bring something, someone, but, or something um, with you that says, I'm not here alone. I I've got the power to do what I need to do and I will accomplish it. 
Mm-hmm. And I um, love that advice, Steve. And, and George, one of the things that, that was kind of a clue to me is when I asked what you d- what you do, and your first thing was that, well, I'm unemployed. And I think you need to just d- drop that from your vocabulary. That is not, you know, so what someone's paying you or not, that doesn't validate your worth. And I think you need to go out there and say, here's what I do. This is what I'm an expert at. And yeah, I'm open to new opportunities because that attitude alone will make a heck of a difference. George, thank you so much for giving us a call on Career Talk. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. And Steve, one of the things I love about your book is that you you pull together all of these quotes, a lot of which are my favorites. But I mean, kites rise against the wind, not with the wind, John Neal. So I wrote down a lot of them so I could say them on the show because I love quotes. Failure is a detour, not a dead-end street. So in your acknowledgments in your book, what I love, Steve, is that you you basically thank, I think, at least two or three times all the people who've rejected you, ignored you, and and basically never called you back. Uh, And and you credit that as your stepping stone to success. I wanted wanted actually originally when I put the book together, I wanted to publish a lot of my turned down letters. Uh, It just didn't fit the format of the book. But I... Uh, I remember when I went out to Los Angeles and I wanted to be a television writer, um, I sent out uh, – you, you sent out query letters to say will you uh, – to agents, will you consider me? Here's my background. And then they will ask for two sample scripts and to see how you actually write – and I was looking for a sitcom job – how you would write for different shows. I – did get agents out of that, but I only remember one response, and that response was from some agency in the Valley in L.A. that said, uh, Dear Mr. Young, you have some nerve thinking you can write. And I don't know why the person felt that bitter about it. Did it upset me? Yeah, I didn't know how good I was. I thought I was good, but I didn't know, and maybe this person knew better than me. Within two years, I was an award-winning television writer. I would have loved to show up at, the, at that door to show the people, uh, the person who wrote that, who was obviously a little bit bitter. But I remember that, and it's not so much I want to show them, because sometimes people will say no to you and or, or, or give you their opinion of things, and it's a negative opinion. And if you can sit there and say, what can I pull out of what they just told me, even though they're being cynical, even though they're trying to demean me, what can I get from that that I actually can use to get ahead? Uh, don't let don't let somebody saying something negative to you take your power away. You're always thinking. You're always saying to yourself, "What can I get out of what this?" Even if you dislike that person, even if you dislike what they said, there's no better way of getting back at a person than using information that they didn't mean to help you. To help yourself. I love that. I love that. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. We are here with Steve Young, who's an award-winning television writer, film director, former stand-up comedian, and author of the book, Great Failures of the Extremely Successful. You know, every time you say former um, stand-up comedian, that means anybody who might want to hire me as a stand-up comedian well would said. think, well, oh, geez, I would love to hire him, but he's not doing it but anymore. But that's what you have on your website, so you need to change that. Okay. Change well, that on your website, and you can be current All right, that was a negative comedian. that I'm going to turn into a positive. <laughs> See? Right there. Right there. We're doing it right now, real time. Hey, it's time to go to our pre-break quiz. Quiz. There's a Quiz. Okay, in the U.S., New Year's Eve is the fifth most popular day of the year for car thefts, with just over 2,100 vehicles stolen. But this is the most popular day of the year for car thefts, with nearly 25% more. Think you know? 844-WARDEN, 844-942-7866. So what is the most popular day of the year for car thefts in the U.S.? You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Graham. Welcome back to Career Talk, your career insider. We are in Business Radio, and we are powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. You can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham, or for more great advice, you can follow my blog, dononcareers.com. So we are here with Steve Young, a.k.a. Dr. Failure, who's written a great book on how great failures can lead to extreme successes. So, Steve, how can people reach you if they'd like more information? Um, 
I have a website, um, and I'm not going to say www. Okay, don't say www. Okay. Uh, greatfailure.com, singular, greatfailure.com, and uh, it it'll get you in contact with me. Uh, you'll find the information there, and it deals with a lot of different things that I do or I have written, and if you're interested at any level, and you know what? Um, I know you have millions of people that listen to this. Millions, at least. Steve writes... Uh, I'm sorry, Steve Young writes at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And we talked earlier in the show about how you're open opportunities. And, you know, some of you, some people may not know that that last month you opened for Richard Lewis. You are a current comedian, <laughs> which you're going to update on your website. You should also update your email. From yeah, the I, other I just changed it. Awesome. I just changed it. I was the only person, there were two people left with Juno, and I was one of them. <laughs> so now they have to go out of business. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's an opportunity, isn't it? So, hey, really quickly, let's get to our pre-break quiz. So in the U.S., New Year's Eve was the fifth most popular day of the year for car thefts. What is the most popular day of the year for car thefts? And I'll give you a hint, Dion. It's a major holiday. Oh, see, (laughs) I was going with what I would consider a major holiday and what America would consider a major holiday. Okay. I was going to say a Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, but since it's not an actual holiday, I'm good guessing thought I'm, though because people are inside. Thought. Exactly, not that was my attention. thought process. That's, I was going to say Passover. Oh, yep. Ooh. No, it's not. It is not a religious holiday. Although I will oh. give you a hint, Michelle. It is a religious holiday for some. Oh crap! I'm back to um, Super Bowl wait, Sunday. It's not <laughs> a reli- oh, Fourth uh, <laughs> of July. It is not. So right. yeah, so New Year's Eve comes in at number five. Memorial Day. Then New Year's Eve, <laughs> sorry, New Year's Wait. Day, <laughs> New Year's Day, sorry, I know. Which this is, is interesting. going on the next blooper reel. Yeah, blooper reel. <laughs> Labor Day, which I don't, I don't know if that's a major holiday, but the number one day for vehicle thefts in the U.S. is Halloween. Huh. Oh, yes. So. so a religious holiday for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, if I said that, that would have given it all away. Got it, so. got it. Okay, well, so there it is. So on Halloween, put your car in a garage or make sure you lock it up somewhere. So, okay, so Steve Young is here with us today. And in his book, Great Failures of the Extremely Successful, Steve, you interview a host of celebrities, just to name a few. Jane Goodall, Billy Idol, Billy, or Betty White, Pat Croce, Julia Sweeney, Gary Marshall, Sam Donaldson, Ann Richards, Aaron Brockovich. I mean, performers, politicians, sports people, like all are... And, Here's my question for you, because these all of these individuals had great stories, but it can be really easy talking about your past failures once you've made it. What about those of us who are in the midst of like the failure right now and, and are kind of that, that horizon seems so far away? Well, this has to do with um, – it could be – when I interviewed people, I, I left it up to them as to what they wanted to talk about, what they considered the most – what I asked was what was so negative that happened at the time that you would have never felt that there was anything positive from it. And as you look back, you realize it was something important that made you who you are and better for it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, th- they gave me all kinds of stories, including uh, uh, when you lose somebody um, uh, when they die. And uh, when people come up to you and say it's for the best. Well, do you really want to listen to that or things are going to turn out right? And OK, not when you're in the midst of it. What you have to do is have allow for that time to happen, and then when you're ready to say to yourself, what do I do next? I think a lot of times people think that they're supposed to immediately jump to, uh, okay, I'm, guys do this. You know, they, they're they going to repress whatever the natural emotion is, and they're going to say, I'll still move on. And, you know, sooner or later, that's going to come out. So what you want to do is be able to – and I, I've had people who've read this book who said – and I, I, I really this, – this is not about pushing the book, although it will sound like it, but people say it changed their life. But what changed their life is reading about how these different people were in life or death type situations. People – I interviewed Teddy Pendergrass. Uh, people in Philadelphia should know who Teddy Pendergrass was. And in 1980, he was at the top of his game. Since for a national show, you might want to give the 30-second. Who he is? <laughs> uh, Teddy Pendergrass, a uh, couple things. Uh, he was a uh, soul – uh, slash pop singer, uh, much in the vein of 
I think Sam Cooke, uh, Marvin Gaye, a little bit of Barry White. And uh, in 1980, he was at the top of his game. And uh, he had a car accident. And uh, he ended up becoming quadriplegic from the accident. And uh, he told me, and I talked to him in the early 2000s, this was in 1980, and he said to me, if I didn't have that accident become a quadriplegic, I would have been dead within two years uh, because I was killing myself and nothing and nobody could stop me. And he went on to a life, uh, thirty, at more than 30 years, of helping other people and, and creating thousands of different opportunities for people, uh, setting up organizations to help people and going one-on-one. Um, now, when the, it took him a couple years. First of all, he had to rehabilitate himself physically, but he went back on stage too. And if you want to have a, st- a, st- a stirring slash stunning moment, Go on YouTube, put in Teddy, Teddy Pendergrass and Live Aid. It's the first time he came out on stage in front of 100,000 people at, uh, I think it was a Veterans Stadium or Franklin Field, whatever. Um, it would have been, had to have been uh, um, JFK. Um, and it was the first time he performed again. Out of the, and I saw him in person and the wheelchair like came off the floor. But the point I'm making there is he went through it and it wasn't like, oh, I'm a quadriplegic now. How can I turn this into a positive thing? And nobody would say, you know, it'd be a great thing. Become a quadriplegic. Mm-hmm. But the point is that when he was ready, the movement, the move was, what can I do now? So don't if you're in the dumps because of a situation, that's natural. That's what happens. It's just whenever you're ready to say, what do I do now? That's the time you pick yourself up and say, okay, what's my plan? Mm-hmm. Hey, 844-Wharton-844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. If it's Thursday, noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, we're taking our calls all hour. So, hey, if you've got a great tip for people who are experiencing obstacles and trying to, to make their dream come true, we would love to hear it. Or maybe you're that person in the middle of, of you know, all these things coming out of left field that you didn't expect, and 2018 is now off to a great start. Steve has some good advice for you. 844-Wharton-844. So so for all those individuals who are in the the midst of it, it's like what I'm hearing you say is be okay with where you are. So yeah, be down, be be sad, be whatever you need to be. And when you're ready, then take a look at what opportunity lies within that event or that situation. Yeah, well, I'm a writer. And so I have to talk, a lot of it comes from writing. A lot of times we have what's called writer's block or we don't know how to start something. And, and this could be you know business or it could be creative and you're writing a book or you're writing a, a, a play. A lot of times we get stuck. And the way you get unstuck is that you write. Now, how do you write when you don't know what to write? And there's tools such as I'd sit down and I'd, Say I say I want to write about crime, and so I start. I don't, but I don't know what to do. I, I'm in the middle of the second act. I don't know what to write about, and so I get a pen and a paper, and I I, I really recommend people do this longhand and start to write. And if you don't know what to write, you write. I don't know what to write. I don't know what to write. I don't know what to write. At the third time you write that you'll find that your brain is going to be bored with what you're writing and it's going to go like this. I don't know what to write. I don't know what to write. I don't know what to write. I'm supposed to be writing about crime, but all I'm writing is I don't know what to write. You know, what's the crime? Me actually getting paid for writing I don't know what to write. What I should be doing is saying, why are why is there crime? Why is it perpetuated? What caused that person to have a, start asking yourself questions? Because if you ask yourself questions, not that you would know the answers right away, but it gets you moving and uh, towards those answers. So, yeah. So what I like about what you're saying is something that we talk about on the show a lot, which is if you're not sure what to do or if things aren't going the way you plan, take action, any action, because any action is going to kind of disrupt the waters and create a ripple effect. And it doesn't have to be the right one. So many of us procrastinate because we want it to be the action or we don't want to waste our time or, we want you know, this has to be the right one. And so we get stuck in this analysis paralysis. So that is advice I think all across the board. Just take action, whatever it is. Go out, go, you know, do something different. Do something you haven't done. 844-Wharton, 844-942-7866. We're going to go to John in Texas. John, welcome to Career Talk. What's on your mind today? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, thanks for giving us a call. So I was in a networking group, uh, oh, 10 or 15 years ago, and got great training about how to do the elevator speeches, talk to the right people, and it, it, can I mention the name of the group? Of course. 
it's, it's called BNI. Yep. I would, yeah, you've heard of it. Yeah, so, it's a national group. Actually, it's an international group, I think. Yeah, yeah, the guy got his, of all things, got his PhD in networking. I, I guess you could do that. And he started a group that only allowed one category, one member in each category. So when he first started his groups, he had three realtors show up. And he said, I'm sorry, you can only have one realtor per group. So he started training people to have other networking groups. And they've now got over 3,000 chapters in pretty good. But for your listeners, I thought it'd be a great tool if somebody doesn't know all of the details. Earlier you had a, a fellow on that was talking about what he was doing uh, regarding trying to make contacts. You mentioned going to 40 companies and et cetera. So I, I just wanted to mention that as, as a great training ground to learn these techniques that you're talking about. Yep, John, we love it when callers call in to help other callers. That is what the show is all about. So thank you so much for doing that. And just to um, to reiterate, the group is B as in boy, N as in network, and I as in international. But yeah, those groups are all across the, the country. And um, definitely recommend those for getting involved, even if you're not in a job search, for the sheer fact that, hey, you know, life is long and you never know who you're going to meet. So plant seeds. John, thank you so much for giving us a call. Can I piggyback a, just a wee bit on that? Of that course. is, that is um, it, always be looking, if you don't have one now, for a mentor. Uh, a mentor is a person out there who you look at and say, um, that's a winner. I want what they have. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be in your business. It's just a person who can guide you along so that it's not you just walking that road uh, alone. It can come from any place. It could be within your family, within your business, within your uh, your religious uh, um, uh, church or synagogue. But the idea is get somebody else out there who can guide you, not the person who gives you the answers necessarily, but guides you along so you can find your own answers. Love it. So just another quote from your book that I have to say. Um, I love this one. You don't drown from falling in the water. You drown by staying there. Love that quote. Um, 844-844-942-7866. Andre in Michigan, welcome to Career Talk. What's on your mind today? Hey, Steve. What's going on? Hey. I, I'm going to jump right in with the J. How do you feel about journaling? Uh James Pennybacker at University of Texas with expressive writing. I love what you just said about a mentor. I have one in New York, Sherry Ryder, who wrote Writing Away the Demons. Uh, I went through some hell and high water and I also have had some real praise reports. And my journal just has become a safe place. Um, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on that and facing failures and resilience and and successes, uh, helping a person put their best foot forward, journaling. Well, that, that's a great one because what it, it actually goes back to what I had said before. That's an action to be taken. Uh, when you put things out on paper, it's amazing what you know that you don't even realize you know. And when you start to put it on paper, and I, I love writing stream of consciousness. I like to write it into my books also because what you're doing is you're following where your brain is taking you. And it may take you to a place that you didn't realize consciously, but it is a place that actually you're getting the best out of you. So yeah, journaling gives you that opportunity to really think about things. And it doesn't hurt that when you're journaling to ask yourself questions, because when you ask yourself a question, then it puts it up to you to figure out what that answer is. So in effect, you become your own mentor. I think journaling is great. Yeah, love journaling. Andre, thanks so much for giving us a call on Career Talk. Love your energy. Love that energy. Comes across over the air. Hey, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with Steve Young, who is a current comedian, <laughs> award-winning writer, TV director, and the author of The Great Failures of the Extremely Successful, a book that goes through a lot of the backgrounds of different celebrities, politicians, media professionals, performers, sports legends, and more to talk about how they turned adversity into success. So, Steve, one of the things in your book, you, you have a story about Jim Marshall and, and this feeling of like when you fail, this great humiliation. This can be really challenging because I think as people get up the ladder, higher and higher, reputation becomes more and more important. So people are less willing to take risks. And that, 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 um, possibility of humiliation 
really kind of stunts people's you know growth. So, how do you deal with humiliation? And you want to give the brief synopsis of of Jim's story? Yeah, I'll give Jim's story in a second, but I want to give one more story there. I, mm-hmm. I once performed on stage, and one I, I one night I, I performed, and I I did way better than I should have. Uh, I had to tell the audience that what they were laughing too much. This is not as funny as you're showing. And the next night I performed same act and bombed. Um, so you never know. And I walked off the stage and somebody, uh, Elaine Boozler, a comedian, came on after me. And as I'm passing her, she said, boy, that took, um, cleaning it up, guts. And um, uh, I took it as a, a negative. And what she said, she called me up the next day to say, you seem kind of down. I said, well, you kind of put me down. And she said, no, no, I meant it took guts like Andy Kaufman. She she used to live with Andy Kaufman. And I said, what did Andy think when the audience bombed i'm sorry he bombed and he said i never bombed the audience bomb that was having confidence in himself so that that's a long way and jim marshall's story he was a 21 year old rookie for you kids out there for the minnesota vikings a great football player and he picked up he played defense and at near the end of the half there was a fumble he um, he picked up the ball, and all of a sudden he realized there was nobody in front of him to uh, get to the goal line and score. So he took off for the goal line, and uh, the crowd was roaring and roaring and roaring. And he was – keep in mind, he played on Minnesota, and the crowd roaring was in San Francisco. And he crossed the goal line. One of the defensive uh, – the offensive players of the other team patted him on the back, and that's when he realized he had gone into the wrong end zone and scored a safety for the other team. That play still runs on ESPN. That took place in 1960, and it still plays. Now, he went into the locker room, 21 years old, really feeling like his – world he had been humiliated in front of who knows millions of people it was on television and he remembered what his father said which is if you if if some if you if something goes wrong make it right in other words take an action to make it right and he came out and he he said to himself i'm going to play the best half of my life that's what i'm going to do and while he was being laughed at as he got uh back on the field he ended up playing what he considered the best half of his life. He caused the fumble that Alan Page, a Hall of Famer, another Minnesota Viking, picked up the ball and scored, and that was the winning touchdown for the Minnesota Vikings. And people started writing him and the Minnesota Vikings letters in terms of how he helped them realize that the negatives in my life can be turned around if I just continue to take action. And, and Jim Marshall, still with us, Uh, does amazing things in terms of the people at risk in the Minnesota uh, um, uh, area. And he said it was that moment that really changed, even at 21, changed his life to say, I want to go out and help people. So it's not what happens to you. It's how you react to it. Your response. And <laughs> and that's that's the whole point of that story. I mean, most most of us hopefully won't have a, a an epic humiliating moment on TV in front of... No, but we have epic humiliating circumstances Yeah, even in our day-to-day because they're epic to us. I remember walking up to a girl when I was 14 years old at a dance and um, I, in effect I said, would you like to dance? And she said, sure, but not with you. And that's pretty humiliating for a 14-year-old. I ended up, that was my first movie script and I got my first agent based on it, uh, based on that moment that I remember when I was 14 years old. Not that I... Um, that I can say, well, that that is a, a direct reason for me to write it. But I took that negative situation and became uh, it. It ended up. It was my first screenplay. It got me around town in, in Hollywood, and it got me my first agent. So I like I like the point you're making, which is I, I think if we all take a minute to stop and reflect, and we talked about journaling earlier, if you stop and reflect on those moments where you may have felt humiliated or angered or been rejected or ignored, and how they've played into some of your successes and make that connection. Because I think a lot of us don't stop to do that. But if you, you do take a moment, you actually start to realize, wow, I used that or I used something from that moment to become more powerful or to do it differently next time or to gain what I have. And I think as a takeaway from today's show, that might be one thing you want to do, whether you do it in a journal or, or however you reflect on it, 
think about those moments. Because one of the other questions I had for you, Steve, was, you know, risk taking, some of this stuff requires a lot of risk taking. And and some of us just aren't. We talked about this last week. We had a neuroscientist on and we're talking about risk taking muscles in the brain and all of that stuff. And it's like some of us just aren't risk takers. How do you put yourself in a situation, whether you're on stage as a comedian or other situations where you can grow, but could potentially be a big risk for your career or just for your ego? Well, this happens a lot with uh, young people um, when they do things. And I know for my kids, whenever they wanted to do something that was new, they would get so frustrated that they weren't doing it, in effect, perfectly. And the idea is any new thing you do, you're not going to be doing it um, imperfectly, and you probably aren't doing it well at all. And that's just the way things work. And if at the first time you can say, I am, and I say this to business people all the time, I teach leadership, and this is one of the most important things you need to do as a leader, and that is to create an environment where people can make mistakes, where people, in, in effect, will learn from the mistakes. It will empower them. If you're a micromanager and you're hanging over the shoulders of somebody, how well do they do? They're walking on eggshells. You have to let people know that, first of all, you make mistakes and they can make mistakes. But our goal is to learn from those mistakes. So when you walk into something that you feel is a risk, realize that at the beginning you may not do it well. And it's, and most of the time you won't. Therefore, you're already giving yourself a longer leash to try that instead of immediately thinking yourself as a as a failure or I can't do and one of the, I remember when I learned to drive I uh, I was very nervous about driving and the thing I kept in my mind is saying you know I know a lot of idiots that drive and so <laughs> therefore I probably can be one of those idiots there you go but I think I think too to your point that if if you don't feel a little bit apprehensive and if you don't feel like yeah I might screw this up it's probably not that big of a risk to start with yeah anything uh, I think uh, I think it was Honda and I I can't pronounce his first name but uh, he said that if you uh, if you've never failed you've You've never done anything new. Yes, I think I think that was one of the the quotes that I took from your book. That that was something along the lines of if you if you you know be nothing, do nothing, and you won't be criticized. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you want to avoid criticism, just kind of stay under the radar. So Steve, it has been great having you on the show. I know the time. I know you're looking at the clock. The time goes by so quickly. So since you are. Um, open for opportunities. Tell people again where they can reach you. Yeah, they can uh, check my website, which is greatfailure.com, um, or they can actually write me at steveyoungwrites at uh, gmail.com. Uh, I'm based in the Philadelphia area, but I travel all over the country. I train uh, people in uh, leadership. I train in business writing. And um, in terms of anything, uh, one of the courses that I teach is creativity. And uh, if there are at-risk people out there, that's a big thing for me, uh, letting people who know that they, when they feel that they're hitting the wall, that there's still opportunity out there for them. They just might learn a little bit differently than other people learn. And we all learn in different ways. But the point is that uh, there shouldn't be, no matter who you are, you shouldn't be at a point where you just say, I give up. Mm-hmm. And and your book, Great Failures of the Extremely Successful, is available online. And I want to leave people, we've been talking about quotes, I want to leave people with, with a Steve Young quote from your book. If, if necessity is the mother of invention, then failure must be its father. Steve, it's been great having you on the show. Michelle and Dion, as always, wonderful kicking off um, this week with you guys here. And for those our listeners and callers, the show is for you. So we always thank you. We are doing this show every week, and we are here for all of your questions, tips, and advice. So uh, Career Talk is on SiriusXM. Go Eagles. Career Talk is on SiriusXM Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. You can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham. And we will see you next time. 